Welcome to the Skull Splitter Dice Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. Visit us at SkullsplitterDice.com for the best D&D dice in the realms. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, everyone. I'm Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice here with another D&D 5e guide, and today we're going to be talking about the Azamar. Azamar are the angelic answer to the tiefling in that they are a mix of humans and celestial beings. The Azamar are bastions of divine power, both human and at once otherworldly. The power of celestial good runs through their veins, though in the same way that not all tieflings are evil, not all Azamar choose to embrace their divine origin. They've waited in the wings for a while now, but thanks to Critical Role's Yasha, they've seen a recent spike in popularity and have been brought into the spotlight. Playing an Azamar can be a perfect opportunity to play that paladin-esque, do-good, self-righteous character you've always wanted to play, or to add some self-reflective moral conflict into the campaign. We're going to go over everything you need to know about this race in today's video. Let's start by talking about their culture. Quite similarly to tieflings, they don't really have one all their own. Azamar are rare and are known to pop up in any culture or any nation due to divine intervention or simple ancestry. Unlike tieflings though, Azamar are seldom left to their own devices when it comes to their otherworldly patrons. As an Azamar grows up, they will receive holy directives from their celestial patron, usually angelic divas that are just encouraging them to fight evil in one way or another. Azamars are true mortals, though, at the end of the day, and can choose to ignore or follow these edicts as they see fit. Playing an Azamar essentially means playing a character with a lot of baggage and a lot of expectations hanging over their head. Most pass for relatively human, that is, until their celestial powers really start to manifest, then they've become marked for destiny. Holy patrons make their demands while the forces of darkness seek any chance they can in order to destroy this paragon of virtue before they even have a chance to blossom. Azamar lives are filled with strife and conflict, basically all the time. In most cases though, as I mentioned, Azamar are perfectly capable of blending in with humans. They'll be attractive, fit humans, but humans nonetheless. Some will have an odd tell like pupilless eyes or strangely tinted skin or hair, and some will even have angelic feathers growing into and interwoven with their hair. Generally though, Azamar aren't really eye-catching until they decide to power up though. Azamar have a transformation ability where they're able to tap into their divine power and let their true angelic nature shine through. When designing your Azamar, you really have the full breadth of humanity to work with in your creative space. It's the hints and little things that make an Azamar unique, so I highly encourage designing some sort of little tell or hint that your character has angelic power hiding underneath. When we get into sub-races here in just a second, you can definitely see how you'll be able to customize them even further. So what should you name your Azamar character? It might sound a little anticlimactic, but you are a celestial being born into a human culture. So you will want to pick a human name that's based on the setting and the time in which you were born. Now let's talk about your Azamar's traits, starting with your ability score increase. You get a plus two to charisma, which is perfect for any character that wants to be the face of the party. And as for your age, you mature at the same rate as humans, but you're able to live up to 160 years. This is a minor increase over your human counterpart, but I think we all know that this really only comes up when you're building your character. There are seldom times that you play a campaign and your character dies of old age. As for your alignment, you're imbued with celestial powers, meaning that most Azimar tend to go towards the path of good, obviously. 
Outcast Azamar, however, tend to be neutral or even evil, but regardless of which path you take, there's plenty of opportunity here for complex character development and even some complex motivations. When it comes to your size, you are the exact same weight and height as a human would be, and you can walk just as fast with a base walking speed of 30. Both of these are to be expected. As an Azamar, you also have dark vision, meaning that within 60 feet, you're able to see dim light as though it's bright light and complete darkness as though it's dimly lit. You cannot discern colors, however, merely shades of gray. You will find that you're also blessed with celestial resistance, meaning that you're naturally resistant to necrotic damage and radiant damage. Damage resistances are an absolute treat in this game wherever you can find them, and you have two of them against some of the most common damage types in the entirety of D&D 5e that's a pretty good bonus. You also have healing hands, meaning that as an action, you're able to touch a creature and help it regain the amount of hit points equal to your level. Once you use this trait, you can't use it again until you've had a long rest. Healing for your level is certainly nothing to sneeze at, though this will obviously be outclassed by any healing spell or other class healing abilities. As for the languages that you can speak, read, and write in, that consists of common and celestial. You'll find that many DMs love putting celestial MacGuffins into their games, so this probably will come up. I briefly mentioned them earlier, but let's talk Azamar subraces, of which you have three choices. There's the Protector, the Fallen, and the Scourge. You may also see stats for a variant Azamar floating around out there, but I encourage you not to use these. These were in the Dungeon Master's Guide before we got the official rules in Volo's Guide to Monsters, and they're also noticeably worse, so just don't bother. Let's start with the Fallen Azamar. This is a character who has been indoctrinated by dark powers either as a youth or decided to turn evil as an adult, a group of Azamar whose inner light has been all but snuffed out by shadow. As a Fallen Azamar, you get a strength score increase of plus one, and starting at third level, you get a rather interesting ability known as Necrotic Shroud. With Necrotic Shroud, you're able to use your action in order to unleash divine energy from within yourself, turning your eyes into pitch black pools of darkness and sprouting giant flightless skeletal wings from your back. The instant you transform, other creatures that are within 10 feet of you and can see you must make a saving throw in Charisma or risk being frightened by you until the end of your next turn. This transformation lasts for one minute, or until you decide to end it as a bonus action. Once on each of your turns, you can deal extra necrotic damage to a target of your choice when you deal damage to it with an attack or spell. The extra necrotic damage is equal to your level, and you cannot use this trait again until you finish a long rest. Next up is the Protector Azamar, who are charged by the powers of good to guard the weak, to strike at evil wherever it may rise, and to stand vigilant against the forces of darkness. From a young age, a Protector Azamar receives advice and directives that urge them to stand strong against evil. You get an ability score increase of plus one to wisdom, and at level three, you're able to use Radiant Soul. As many of you have guessed, yes, Radiant Soul is basically just the angelic version of Necrotic Shroud. Your wings are pretty and your eyes are pretty as opposed to evil and dark. The main difference here being that these wings give you a flying speed of 30 feet and you're able to attack with extra radiant damage equal to your level whenever you deal damage to a single target with either an attack or a spell. And lastly, we have the Scourge Azamar, who have a divine energy that blazes intensely within them. It feeds a powerful desire to destroy evil, which is at best unflinching and at worst, all-consuming. Many Scourge Azamar wear masks in order to contain this power and block themselves off from the rest of the world, only unmasking themselves when they charge into the field of battle. 
You get an ability score increase of plus one to constitution, and you also get a trait known as Radiant Consumption. With this trait, you're able to unleash your divine powers by emitting a searing light from your eyes and mouth that can char your opponents. Your transformation lasts for one minute or until you decide to end it as a bonus action. During it, you shed a bright light in a 10-foot radius or in a dimly lit situation an extra 10 feet. And at the end of each of your turns, you and each creature within this radius take radiant damage equal to half your level rounded up. Half of your level, granted, may not seem like a lot, but it is automatic damage that uses a type that is rarely resisted in this game. So in my eyes, it's pure gold. As usual, let's end this video with some suggestions for builds. Azamar ability scores lend themselves towards casters, while their actual abilities seem to lead towards martial characters. 5e is incredibly flexible, and therefore, I think we were able to put together some builds that blend the best of both worlds here. Starting off with the Anti-Paladin. Paladins perfectly line up with those bonuses to Charisma and Strength that the Fallen Azimar receive. The Oath of Conquest also grants an ability at 7th level called Aura of Conquest, which successfully freezes any opponents that are afraid of you, which your Necrotic Shroud can easily provide. And next we have Burning Hexblade. Hexblade Warlocks really want two things that Scourge Azimar can provide, a bonus to Charisma and more damage. Scourge Azimar need to be able to recover more quickly, and Hexblade's Curse provides this in droves, assuming you're able to take down your cursed foes in the first place. Divine, powerful, and utterly unique, this polar opposite to the Tiefling offers some unique role-playing opportunities you can't get with any other official race. They're no slouch when it comes to combat either, and having a literal angel in your party may help you avoid some combat situations before they really break out. You know, with the holy people, at least. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this video, I encourage you to like and subscribe. We put out new videos like this every week. And be sure to leave a comment down below about what kind of Azimar character you plan on building in the future, or if you've ever come up with any sort of unique backstory for your Azimar. I am very interested in what you guys have to say. As always, my name's Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.